Hi, I'm Jane Hilsden, marketing consultant and founder of Dragonfly Marketing. Welcome to this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's our mission at Dragonfly Marketing to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally based small business in Australia. Why? Because we know that when marketing is done properly, it can help grow your business. We believe small businesses are the backbone of our nation. When your business grows, it benefits not only you and your family, it benefits your whole community. Small businesses create a vibrant and connected economy. We employ local people, we donate to local charities, and we work together to build resilient and thriving regional communities. The How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business. Bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. Now, before I introduce my next guest, I wanted to ask you something. Do you want to find out how you can create high-impact marketing campaigns on a small budget? Because if you do, I think I may have something for you. Something that we are immensely proud of at Dragonfly Marketing is the fact that we have won the Small Budget Marketing Award at the Australian Marketing Institute Awards for Excellence three times. And we've done this by creating super smart and creative marketing campaigns that have achieved amazing results on a super tight budget. That's what we specialise in. It's our superpower. But this doesn't come from just winning it. It comes from years of experience creating marketing campaigns for small businesses. We've got a formula, we know exactly what works, and now we want to share this information with you. So if you think this is something you'd like to get your hands on, head to dragonflymarketing.com.au forward slash high impact small budget and sign up to receive our e-guide 10 steps to creating high impact marketing on a small budget. And now to introduce this episode's guest. And I'd love you to allow me to introduce you to the fabulous Kate Cook, otherwise known as the Marketing Attribution Gal. Marketing attribution, of course, is just another word for marketing measurement. Kate is a marketing measurement specialist. At Dragonfly Marketing, we are huge believers in the power of marketing measurement. We have it literally entrenched within every project we work on, both on behalf of our clients as well as for our own marketing. Measuring your marketing is the only way that you will know if your marketing investment is bringing you a return. It helps you make better decisions when it comes to marketing planning and optimization. It can also be super motivating to see how your marketing efforts are making a real impact, particularly when you see this manifest to your bottom line results. Kate is a puzzle-loving, data-driven marketing mentor with 10 years of experience across search marketing, social media, content marketing, email, automation, sales funnels, and more. She helps digital marketers, agencies, and in-house marketing teams win over their stakeholders by navigating their campaign data, adding a splash of MarTech wizardry, and building out intelligent, data-driven reporting frameworks to make their best decisions daily. In this episode, we talk about some of the data that is available and easily accessed for you to measure, how you can easily and regularly measure the results of your marketing, the different types of marketing metrics that you can measure, and much more. So if you're keen to find out what works and what doesn't when it comes to marketing, grab a pen and paper, sit back, and enjoy these great tips from Kate Cook. Hi, Kate, and welcome to the How To Do Marketing Show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Good, good, because I'm so happy that you're here because we're actually going to talk about one of my very favourite topics, which is measurement. But before we kick off, I would like to ask you a question that I ask all of my guests these days, Um, and it's really about why you do what you do. Now, you on your website call yourself a data geek, and you're known as the um, quotation mark attribution gal, close quotation mark. So what is it that makes data and measurement and attribution so exciting for you, Kate? 
I think data has the ability to bring confidence to a conversation and empower and enable us to make our most profitable decisions. So for me, like I started my career as a digital marketer and I earned my scout badges across, you know, SEO and paid ads and email funnels. And then I jumped into a couple of generalist marketing roles, but I found that it was so difficult to meaningfully create influence and influence my peers and business owners without being able to show and demonstrate exactly what I intended to get from my marketing investment. So at the end of the day, um, you know, everyone wants to just know what's going to hit the bank. Um, and I think marketing, marketing can feel like that super seemingly impossible puzzle, um, but it's actually not that hard if we know where, kind of where to look. Yeah, yeah. So you're solving a real problem because I think any small business owner will, you know, understand from their perspective that it's really hard to have that confidence in in laying out the investment that some of your marketing needs um, without knowing or without having an idea of how much return that's going to bring or what does that investment actually bring me. And as marketers, you know, as a marketer myself, I hear you. Like, my goodness, you know, everybody wants to know, you know, how the mark, what, you know, how the marketing that, that we're doing is affecting their bottom line. And so measurement has become a huge part of, of what we do as, as well. And I think too, if you're results driven, you know, the measurements are important. Like if, you, if you're doing something for a reason, if you're setting an objective or a goal, you want to know whether you've reached it. You can't do that without measurement. <laughs> Definitely. And it's about tracking the right things, but also as much as it is about finance, financial investment, it's also time. You know, yes. I see a lot of small business owners in, in, you know, early stage startup, not necessarily be throwing thousands into advertising, but they could be spending days, you know, creating Instagram stories. And are they, is that where your audience is? Is that really profitable yeah. for you? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that is so true. Yay. I'm so excited about this conversation. <laughs> so can you just, well, first, First off, by start by explaining what marketing attribution is and, and in particular why small businesses should really lean into what we're going to be discussing today. If you, could, if you could give us a bit of a clue around particularly the term marketing attribution. Yeah, sure. So marketing attribution is a method of determining exactly what activities in our marketing mix are the ones that are responsible for driving, but then also nurturing people to take the actions that we really want them to take. Yeah. So when we work out which channels are most effective, we can invest more time and energy into those areas and have yeah. the same budget work harder for us. Yeah, 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 which is the why behind that. So it's really just about understanding where you should be spending your money. So effectively, it's, it's, it's that measurement piece, right? Definitely. So getting, yeah. you know, the right tracking in place, knowing where to look because there's so much data. So it's really yes. about discerning those meaningful few data points rather than falling into analysis paralysis and kind of yes. going, where am I supposed to be looking? And yeah. really turning data into insight, which is the main thing, and then making a decision off the back of that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think that overwhelm piece that you're referring to in terms of, yeah, like there's so much data that's, a, you know, able to be tracked, but you don't need necessarily all of it. I think that's that's actually a really important piece because it can, it absolutely can lead to a bit of overwhelm if, if you try and get too entrenched in it. But from a, when it comes to data, like from a big picture perspective, what, what is out there at the moment? Because I reckon there's a lot of small business owners who just don't even know what's possible to, to track. Like if we can start by saying, well, what is the main data that's currently being collected by, you know, businesses across the board, large and small, and then how are they using that to help them make better decisions? Yeah, look, there's so much data available these days. And, you know, there's data that we collect ourselves, there's data that we can leverage from, you know, other organisations, um, you know, working together. And, you know, there's buying data, there's so much from yeah. like that large enterprise level, but there's really only three stages. It's kind of, um, you know, we're starting small with being able to track what's happening kind of in aggregate on our um, website, for example. So we want to know how many people are coming to the website, yes. where are they coming from, um, you know, what interactions are they taking with us? 
And then, you know, the next layer up from that is very much around capturing customer data. So whether you do that in a piece of software or even in an Excel spreadsheet or in your email platform, email addresses, names, phone numbers, geographic location, address, all of those things, um, as well as what's actually hitting our bank. So some people use zero or like whatever your accounting software looks like. Um, or if you've, you're an online e-commerce business, maybe that's just in Shopify for now. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then you know, there's the the utopia, which is um, what the larger enterprises use, and I kind of help to set some of those up sometimes. And that's like big data warehouses, which is yeah. um, the next level piece. <laughs> so scare us and tell us what those, because we will just focus on the small business measurement. But I'm curious to know what are big businesses tracking, because there's mm. obviously an ability to be able to track so much and with so much detail. So, so what are some of the big businesses tracking? Yes. Well, I'll give you an example that um, I often share with clients uh, to understand sort of the power of data and what we could do um, and what, you know, any small business can, you know, has the power to become a very big business. So everyone has the power to do this one day as well. Um, So airports actually um, are very very clever with the way that they use their data. They know a lot about their customers and their level of affluence based on where they've come from the and um, the airline that they're flying with. And I don't know if anyone's experienced this, but sometimes um, your gate will change at the last minute and you've got to do a bit of a runner. And they always allow you to, you know, have a bit of time between to make your way over to the next gate. But what you might not know is often that's determined by an algorithm designed to have you walk past certain stores based on how much they think that you might spend. So if you're somebody who is like, yep, gets off a plane from maybe Emirates, which is, um, you know, a little bit more expensive than, say, Jetstar, then they might have you walk past duty-free. And if it's Jetstar, they might have you walk past the food court. (laughs) Wow. I can't believe as a marketer I'm sitting here with my mouth (laughs) wide open. I had never even thought of that. Mm, So I think, you know, it's it's around us absolutely everywhere. And, um, I mean, I think a whole conversation about data and privacy could be an interesting topic for another day for sure. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, the average person does, realize like even in terms like if we talk about remarketing and the Mm -hmm. Facebook pixel and you know I'm sure Google puts puts these pixels on on the sites as well because they also do remarketing but you know when ads seem to follow you around the internet that's because ads literally are following you (laughs) around the internet based on behavior that you're taking and I walk the I walk my dog with a um, an older gentleman on the beach every morning and he was saying how he had just installed ad blocker on his mm. computer because he was just so horrified at the amount of ads that he was he was receiving yeah and it's a real challenge actually for us um ad blocking because um that can often interfere with things like you know our google analytics website tracking so yeah. if we're you know trying to understand who's visiting website and, and interactions that they're taking um that can kind of prevent some of the the tracking mechanisms that we have in place there so um yeah, yeah we, we want to be as marketers um doing the best that we can to serve relevant ads kind That's of as right. a whole so that yeah. people don't you know feel the need um to install yeah. those blockers Well, and I think too, it's just the fact that people feel a bit violated, I guess, by it. It's, and it's, that's right. If you're serving them up the right content, well, they're probably not going to mind so much, but, and it's probably particularly that older generation, but yeah, when he, I mean, he was so horrified and he was like, you know, people wouldn't know, no, you know, people wouldn't understand the extent at which they're being targeted and how many, you know, things are being tracked from their computer. And of course, I'm sitting there with my marketing hat going, yeah, but I kind of use that all the time. I find it actually really helpful. <laughs> you know, that makes our job a hell of a lot easier. So sorry, I can't agree with you there. Like, I, but I, I, I'm with you, Kate, in terms of, well, if you're serving up the right content, hopefully everybody's happy. But that's fascinating about the airports. Mm. Okay, so data is serious and, and that's an <laughs> excellent example of how airports are using their data and their demographic information to actually make a business decision to send you on a certain route throughout the airport so that you're spending money with their with the people who uh, um, have leases have shops in their in their airport okay get it okay so for a small business 
Now, you mentioned a couple before, but what are the particular measurements and metrics that you would recommend that small businesses monitor regularly? So I actually just did um, a post on this uh, recently because I had a, I was I'm getting asked this question a lot of, you know, what are just, if I only have a couple of metrics to tra- track, which one should I be looking at? There's so yeah. many. Um, my favourite are actually um, in Google Analytics, once mm. you have that installed on your website, is looking at um, two metrics. One's called path length and the other one's called time lag. So path length tells us how many interactions that it took a person um, to interact with your website before they took the action that you wanted them to take. And um, time lag tells us how many days it took them to get there. So for example, I could, you know, interact with the website three times in one day and purchase or, you know, over a period of six days or seven days and then, um, you know, interact with the website multiple times over that time period. So the reason that this is so interesting is from an attribution perspective, we can get a sense of how long it takes people to buy from us. And therefore, if we're trying to manage our marketing mix, that tells us, so should we be doing just advertising or do we also need to do things like email to like nurture them through that process? Because if it's taking them a little longer to make that decision, then we know that there's some barriers there. Wow. Okay. They are two metrics that I have not um, looked at before. So generally in our measurements, we're looking at things like um, how many people have visited your website, how many people have come from Facebook, how many people have come from Instagram, how long roughly are they spending on the site? You know, what's your bounce rate as in how many people are bouncing off your site as soon as they kind of bounce on, et cetera, et cetera. But that is really, really fascinating to go that extra level and go, okay, so they're on the website. How are they using that website and how many touch points have they kind of had specifically with that website to help make a decision? Oh, well, I guess to in order to make a decision to then buy from you. So that's really interesting. So are those, those metrics available with the free Google Analytics? So you don't yeah. need to have set up ads or anything like that. that that's actually, and no. when, which um, headings that under? In, oh, is it attribution? Is, I think there um, is. It, it's, it will be under the conversion section, actually. The conversion. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, I might even try and remember to put a little screenshot of that. And just for all the small business owners that are listening, if you haven't set up Google Analytics on your website, can you please, the next thing you do <laughs> after listening this, can you please go and ask your web developer or if you're technically astute, um, can you go and do it yourself? Set up Google Analytics. It's free. It takes a couple of minutes to set up. Um, and the information that you can get, I've just learned something new about it, is just invaluable. You can do it, you know, you can get all of this in- insight for free. You know, it's it's a no-brainer. Okay, so there's some, some really good um Oh, there's some really good insights that, that you can track there. Gosh, you've just got me thinking. You've thrown me with those ones, Kate. <laughs> I'm, I'm ticking over in my head going, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and deep dive further into these. These are great. Well, I, could, I could share an example with you maybe like in terms of how I use that to make like a decision about, yeah. Please so, do. So one of my clients recently, I was working with her on a report and I've looked at these two metrics for her and I found it really interesting that um, we found 96% of people were purchasing on the first interaction on the first day. So that means that whatever she's doing from a marketing perspective, which is a different question, but um, is really effective or she's, you know, she's either clearly reaching the right people who want to buy immediately, those people are hot, or her product's just selling like hotcakes. It's amazing. Um, fantastic. But in terms of where um, it was interesting to me was that that means that there's only 4% of people really that require nurturing more than, more than one interaction. Um, but she was investing a lot in remarketing, which you mentioned before. So I was thinking that doesn't really add up. Totally. So like maybe that's not a strategy that we should be implementing and what would happen if we reallocated some of that, um, that budget and that time investment from email, you know, creating email campaigns, doing all of this from a nurturing perspective um, and also the budget that we invested in remarketing and, and put that in some more of the, the top of funnel campaigns so the broader ad targeting because people were buying straight away. 
Okay, so here's a question for you. Why do you think they were buying straight away? Like what was her website doing to help people? Like is it a big purchase we're talking about? Is it a small purchase? Like what what do you think made people purchase straight away? Yeah, look, they vary in price from about um, like $150 all the way through to thousands of dollars, which is really interesting Um, in terms of how to unpick that puzzle of um, is it, you know, that we're just finding the exact right people or is it that um, a combination of that and like the effectiveness of the website, it's usually a combination of all things. So one of the the things that I often talk about um, and I have like a five-day attribution challenge where I talk about, you know, all of the things that we should do when we're trying to understand how to make those effective decisions. Um, But really it's about, kind of understanding that the mindset is not an all or nothing one. You know, it's, it's often this like complexity, which is why it kind of data can feel so scary and why we often avoid kind of thinking about it because it's often a bit of everything. And then that feels hard to kind of justify. Um, But in order to kind of understand what, which part of that mix it could be, or like anything that what of all the decisions that we're making, um, which ones are really moving the needle there that's when I would run something like a customer survey and be like, who are these people? How can I understand them more deeply? And therefore, if that sort of seems to marry up with like the ad targeting that we have running, that it's clear that maybe we're just finding the, the right people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and you're right because you've gone out and found the right people, but you can still bring the right people to a website and then confuse them at the website point, you know, you can bring them to, and they're like so excited to buy and then they get to your website and go, and and particularly when the purchase is a couple of thousand dollars. So is this a service or a product? It's a product. Sorry, online courses. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So it's an online course. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Oh, that's really fascinating. Thanks for that example. That's great. So speaking of kind of systems and processes that you can kind of wrap around this, you've actually developed a marketing attribution system. And I'd I'd also like to hear about the challenge if it kind of ties into this, but you've developed a a marketing attribution system that helps businesses track and understand their data without getting too overwhelmed. So can you run us through at a kind of top level how this system works? Yeah. So it's, it, I do talk about it in the, the challenge that I've created this free kind of five day email challenge just to try to help walk people through and warm up to this concept. Um, I think it's my mission to try to make data sexy. I don't know if I'll, if I'll make that happen in my lifetime, but I'm on, I'm, I'm, that's the mission Love it. <laughs> is, um, to, to get people to, to become really interested um, and obsessed with sort of tracking in the same way that we track, you know, our accounting. Um, I think that yes. marketing measurement, something that, you know, can be really simple if we just set it up right. Um, and then it's just a matter of maintaining it. You know, we would never not log our expenses and track our revenue. And to me, this is exactly the same thing. If we have a super simple system, then we will maintain it. Um, so for me, it's about, you know, not getting so distracted by all of the different metrics that we can track, but instead focus on the ones that are really driving the outcome that we need. So for me, there's basically only like three layers we can categorize all of our marketing activity into trying to do one of these three things. We're either trying to drive eyeballs, new people Mm -hmm. who have not seen us before. (laughs) We're trying to either turn those eyeballs into some level of meaningful engagement and then often trying to turn that meaningful engagement into some kind of action. So we know that it takes multiple touch points with the brand often in order to have um, whether that's even just, you know, seeing the brand in your feed, not necessarily interacting with the website where we were talking about path length and interactions and time lag before. Um, but in terms of, yeah, I guess engaging people to understand who are, who are they, can we get them to the website? Um, that would be, you know, something like an impression on an ad that's clearly an eyeball that we're attracting. Yes. Um, engagement would be yeah that visit to the website perhaps or you know did they download a a free guide or um, sign up for a 10% discount and then taking that meaningful action so like we want them to buy eventually right Um, so I think if we look at all of our activity not by like how effective is Facebook for me but instead 
allocate some of the um, the activities that we're doing. So let's say we're doing a lot on um, stories on Instagram and they're organic. If we kind of are generally tracking how many people seem to be looking at us yes. <laughs> and then how many of those people seem to be engaging with us and then how many of those people seem to be falling out the bottom. Yeah. And that's really only three metrics. It takes a few steps to get there, but once we've got it set up, it's really easy to just benchmark and then all we have to do is measure increase or decrease. And then yeah. we can tell... If, we've, if we're making good decisions or not. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. And, and we've got something set up um, it, it will set, that sounds very, very similar to that. Honestly, I just use like an Excel spreadsheet to, to kind of um, measure it in that order, awareness, engagement and conversion. And that's all it really needs to be, isn't it? It's just literally just tracking the numbers. Do you use any particular software or are there any tools that you use that you would recommend small businesses look at apart from the old humble Excel spreadsheet? Actually, honestly, I use Excel too and Google Sheets. I think that, you know, it, it's just like everyone sort of t always selling us a, a silver bullet tactic to 10x our ROI. Like I think um, we can get so distracted by um, software and systems and tech, but really and I don't know if you can relate to this, but we, anyone who's running their own reports completely knows that our data sits in a bunch of different places. Like it's never in the one place. No. <laughs> um, so there's a few things that I do to kind of make um, things a little bit more automated. So I'll often use Google Sheets instead and then use things like Zapier um, to, or Zapier to connect yeah. um, and, and create some automated, you know, data entry and population into those sheets. Yes. Um, and there's a, another tool called um, Supermetrics, which you can use too, which kind of um, can automatically... Um, have your like Google Analytics data, for example, sent over to or Google AdWords oh, or Google yeah. Facebook data sent over to Google Sheets. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll use Google Sheets too. And then it's just, you know, creating a few graphs, creating a few reports. And then, like I said before, if you do the hard work up front, then yeah. you can just log in and kind of have it have it tracked for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's excellent. And those tools are a great heads up because, yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge that, that myself and my clients find is uh, for the clients that we're working with that are doing it themselves, that it does take a little bit of time to actually go to Facebook and look at the data and the insights, go to Instagram and look at it there, go to LinkedIn and look at it there, go to, you know, Google Analytics. To be honest, though, I find you know, the better you get at it, you know, the, the faster you, that, that becomes. And it might take you 10 minutes or whatever per month, but it's so worth it. Like what that okay. can tell you, you know, is just so worth it in terms of your overall investment in, of, of, as you said, of time and money into your marketing. So, yeah. So yeah, you don't need I, the fancy dashboards. No, no definitely not. And you know, I even um, carve out for myself in my own business, working on my business rather than always consulting and to yeah. other clients. Um, I just have like a CEO ritual morning. So every Monday morning, I'll just kind of sit down and just run my numbers really quickly. And honestly, exactly as you say, once you've got the, the framework that you're using, it can take like 10 minutes to just yeah. quickly populate it. And then you can, can clearly see what decisions you're making and what impact they're having. Yeah, fantastic. What do you call it? A CEO what? CEO up. ritual. Oh, ritual. A, yeah. I love it. Oh, I love that term. That's such a good idea. I love that you run them on a Monday morning too. That's awesome. First up. <laughs> First up. <laughs> um, so what about um, mapping the results of our marketing, looking at our marketing attribution and matching that to our marketing budget? So if people have been organised enough to actually put a budget and assign a budget, whether it be for a 90-day plan, a three-month, three 12-month or whatever, is there an easy way that we can kind of match our attribution and our monthly measurements, to, let's just call it, to that budget? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I use Google Sheets, um, as I mentioned, and um, I often will work either with clients or with myself and just pull data directly out of um, zero. So if you've got an accounting system, that can be really easy to just kind of export everything out, export your reports out and have a look at what, um, where your expenses are and what your profit looks like and where your revenue sits. And I think, um, you know, if we make a small effort to sort of 
start logging things even in our accounting system properly against marketing, then it makes that job a lot easier. We can kind of see that Facebook spend, if it's, um, it is, you know, automatically being allocated to marketing um, so that we can kind of see exactly what that spend looks like and what that return is. Um, But I think, yeah, at the end of the day, like the source of truth is really um, what hit the bank and where those expenses came from and then looking separately at, at what, um, what we're, what we seem to be driving from a conversion perspective. That is such a good idea. And using a tool like Zero, exactly. It, it's it, as long as you've reconciled everything correctly and assigned it to marketing or Facebook advertising or whatever. Um, that's a really great way to understand that level of kind of spend, I guess, versus return. Right. Okay. That's that's a really good idea. So when. So when you're kind of looking at your, your reconciliation for the month and you can assign your spend of this many dollars to September, for example. So we look at the results that we've, we've got from our marketing over September. So we might have achieved, you know, this much Facebook reach. We've achieved this many click-throughs to our website and we've, we've received so many leads or inquiries about a product or we have made so many sales. But the, the money that we've spent in September is probably actually setting us up for the leads and the sales, depending on your product and depending on what your lead time is, is probably actually setting us up for the leads and sales that we'll receive in six, you know three months' time or six months' time, depending. So is there a way that you can kind of understand the lag between kind of spend and conversion or return? Totally. I love this question. And this is part of the reason why I think it's so important that we adopt reporting just like our accounting. Like we have to adopt it as a system and measure it ongoing. Um, So one of the super small but and super simple things that I do with all of my clients and recommend that everyone does like from today, (laughs) if you haven't already, is just setting up a Google sheet or an Excel sheet and call it a change log. And every time you make a decision about what marketing change you're you're making to your mix, whether it's I'm increasing budget on Facebook this month or I'm changing the overall brand and marketing message to be this or I'm starting to talk about this at the moment um, or investing a bit more time and energy into LinkedIn, whatever that looks like, having that against the date helps when you are then looking at your data next to it. You can kind of clearly see what, that impact has been. And if you've got an idea of the time in which it takes from, you know, we talked about the path length and time lag from a, in terms of when they engage with us, but we can do the same thing on the, on the bottom end. So once they've um, become a lead, how long does it take that lead to convert on average? And if that's about, you know, three months, as you say, um, that there's like a three month sales process. That's such a long sales process, but you know, maybe a house or something. (laughs) (laughs) Then, um, that can kind of help you to sort of model that for sure. Um, yeah. 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 And I think we want to be able to create a graph that has like our spend and our outcomes next to one another so that we can easily start to kind of see those patterns. But that's more about interpreting data. I think, um, once we've got it set up, right. Mm. Yeah, but I think it is important to understand, as you said, that that lead time and how long it takes for a campaign to take effect. So you might have a particular campaign in market, and I think that's probably something to kind of add to the mix as well, not wanting to to kind of overwhelm people, but even a bit like the change log, you know, if which I guess is like your 90-day plan, your 90-day marketing plan or your 12-month marketing plan. If you can see that marketing plan so that you can see, well, you know, for the months of June, July, August, this marketing was in place, you know, and this was the sales that we got as a result. And then in, you know, September, October, November, this was the marketing that was in place. This was, which then matches up to. So it's not just the investment that you made that you can see in zero. It was, you know, we ran this video campaign with this specific message, which drove this particular product, you know. So again, you've kind of got the plan, the results almost, and then the, the spend. 
Exactly. And I think, you know, we like to think that we've got good memories, but we often don't. And the challenge that I often face is I'll be given access to um, like Google and someone, a client's Google Analytics account. And it's like, find me some insights. (laughs) And I think um, sometimes without that context of, you know, well, I, I, no doubt you're running a business. There's so many things that change. Mm. Um, Our ability to just be able to look back and kind of go, okay, I can clearly see a spike here. What caused that spike? What happened on that day um we can't like trying to unpick that later is just such a fight and we can make our lives so much easier by just planning a little bit yeah that's right and as you said get the framework in place so you've worked out what information you need to capture what information you need to see side by side because i you know and i'm sure you would agree even just seeing your measurements on a monthly basis like there's no point i believe in going in and looking at your measurements in isolation each month. Like there's no point in just going in and saying, this this is how many users, you know, this is how many um, people visited our website this month. And then you go in a month later and say, this is how, you know, this is how many this is how many visitors came to our website this month because there's no context in that. It's just like, well, did it go up from last month? Did it come down from last month? Do you know what I mean? Totally. And you make a really good point as well around um, like viewing windows. So do we look on a monthly basis? Do we look on a daily basis? Do we look on a weekly basis? And, you know, um, often if you're like depending on um, your business, that might have a huge impact on the way that you report. So ideally we want to be able to get ourselves to a stage where we can choose the date range, whatever we like, so that we can compare different periods because maybe, you know, school holidays are a great example. They don't always fall in a linear like week uh, period. And we might want to know what happened on during a school holiday period versus the week after it. And that's only something you can do if you're measuring day by day. Um, But that's not to say that we all have to start measuring our metrics day by day. There's a lot of things that um, can make that process automated <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and and perhaps if 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 you're listening and you feel like that yeah that day-by-day measurement is integral then it maybe is at the point you know maybe you are at the point where you kind of do need to look at investing in some measurement software or some dashboards that kind of help you do that because yeah you certainly don't want to be manually going in and collecting all of those things you know and, and recording that yourself every single day and I think too the other thing is when we're looking at that is you know, I think what we've described in that measurement in that measurement format, looking at kind of what marketing was in market, what the results were, and, you know, how much we spent, that kind of tracks our short-term activity and, and what, what we're actually driving in the short term. A lot of the stuff that we do in marketing as well is about building your brand. And that's not going to be trackable necessarily in that format. Totally. I so love that you have brought this up. Um, a, a recent project of mine, I was working with a client to, you know, run attribution on, um, on their entire mix. And one of the things that we found was that they were doing a really good job of, um, you know, optimizing their platforms. But when we looked over time, their branded search traffic and their direct traffic hadn't really increased, which tells me that, you know, we, we might be really effective on a channel perspective, but people are not recognizing the brand over time and it doesn't have that stickiness. And that's, we could only do that if we had years of data to be able to look um, and see whether or not that had any meaningful change. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Like get that Google Analytics installed today. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so then if we're looking at, because brand is a really, really hard one to kind of assign to the bottom line. And I know that there are a lot of, you know, the larger organisations who have the funds to invest in extensive consumer, you know, brand perception um, research where they're actually going out to the market and, you know, asking people about whether they recognise a brand or not and what they feel about it and all the rest. It's not necessarily their customers that they're asking so they can understand how does the general population, you know, understand our brand. But that costs a lot of money to, to do. Are there any ways or metrics that you've kind of identified that can help measure those longer term kind of marketing activities such as those brand building um yeah marketing activities that we might put in place 
Yeah, definitely. So there's a few things that I'll look at to try to understand if um, brand is having an effect over time. So one of them is looking at branded search traffic increases. And you can do this if you've got Google Analytics and look at how many people are actually typing in the name of your brand um, into Google into search in order to land on your website. So that's a interesting indicator and you can do that on google trends as well even if you've got enough um, of a sort of brand presence you can often um, use google trends and it will map the same keywords for you you can see them over time even if you haven't had google analytics installed Um, and the other one is direct traffic so if people are going directly to your website it's because they've either been there before um, and they're repurchasing from you or they've recognized the brand um, or they've seen it on tv perhaps um, which is often you know a very brand building top of funnel um, you know marketing initiative so yeah Yeah. i'll look at that yeah absolutely They, they that's excellent yeah that's two two really good metrics and again as you said available on google analytics i i think we should be the brand ambassadors for google analytics right now google should be sending us some cash into our bank accounts for all of this um for all this free marketing for them so now most marketers, like you and I, are, I mean, we're just loving this conversation. We're completely <laughs> geeking out on what's possible with marketing measurement and attribution. However, and you kind of touched on this before, when it comes re- to reporting this marketing data to people outside of the marketing department, like you've either got those people who are like really demanding in terms of, you know, we want to know exactly what our marketing spend is, is returning on the business. And then you've got those people who are like, you know, we don't really care. We don't really get it. We don't really understand all of this data. We don't really understand the metrics. Is there, a, is there a particular way to kind of take both of these people on the journey that can really kind of help them to engage? Because a lot of the people who are demanding the, well, how much is this making us? They're just looking for mm-hmm. the end result. But as you spoke about, we're not always just measuring the men- end result. There's a lot of marketing that has to go before getting the end result. So is there, is there a way that we can kind of take these people on the journey to, to help them understand and engage with with the measurements that you know that that includes the top of funnel measurements and you know how important it is to actually get eyeballs mm-hmm. on your brand all the way through to yes of course making the sale and adding to the bottom line is there a good way to to engage people with this yeah definitely i mean this like speaks so closely to my heart because it's exactly why i decided to build this business was um you know constantly facing questions from people who were um you know not understanding of you know end-to-end marketing and all of the things that we do including brand that um makes such a, a huge impact on that bottom line and in driving people through that funnel so one of the metrics that I look at that I find is really compelling is actually tracking sort of cost effectiveness over time. So um, if we find that like overall we are able to attract more people or gain more clicks because um, people are interested in us and because we've warmed them up with brand previously and we can kind of monitor and showcase how, you know, with the same budget we're able to kind of drive Um, more effective outcomes. So even if it's um, not necessarily more clicks, but it's more conversions. So maybe with the same $2,000, if more people are converting, it's because we've warmed them up or, you know, we're targeting them better or we're making kind of better decisions um, with that budget overall. So that's often a good kind of compelling metric to help people understand that, that overall effectiveness of the mix. And then the other thing that I would say is, you know, data is such a polarizing thing. And me being in this world, um, it can be really hard sometimes because you're either, people either love me if they've got that growth mindset and it's like, yes, data is, you know, enablement and I can make a, a decision either good or bad off the back of this. But then other people are like, get away from me. <laughs> I don't want to know um, and I don't want to, I don't want to know that I've made a bad decision and um, yes. I just want to put my head in the sand about it. And I think um, really the biggest tip that I've learned is about framing it in such a way that makes it feel really palatable and easy to kind of um, get on the bus. It's sort of, yeah. this is an opportunity. This is, you know, how, how much could, we make a fantastic, more profitable set of decisions when we know what doesn't work Um, and being able to make it okay for people to fail. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, they are two excellent examples. And and I think you'd be hard pressed to find a small business owner who would not want to know how they can be more cost effective with their spending, you know, how they can get the biggest bang for their buck when it comes to anything, you know, let alone marketing. So I think, um, yeah, taking both of those approaches would, would really work. What are the biggest mistakes that you see businesses make when it comes to marketing attribution? So there's actually two massive mistakes that I see all the time and they're like usually in my little quick win bundle because I know that we can make some better, um, make some more profit really quite quickly by um, looking at these two things. So the first one is um, just questioning and diving a little bit deeper into the metrics that the platforms give us. So for example, Facebook has a default attribution window um, of 28 days post click and yeah. one day post view. Yes. So what that means is, is if you're looking at how many leads you've got um, or, you know, what the overall kind of return on investment looks like in your Facebook account, it will by default also be counting anyone who came from a different channel and who converted from a different channel, but they might have seen a Facebook ad on their path. Okay. Yeah. So this might make us think that Facebook's performing better than it is um, unless yeah. we kind of dive a little deeper. Right. So that Facebook is about to change it back down to seven days, which I'm very happy about because I think there's probably been a bit of uproar in the community. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's just so important to check and know, you know, not just take those metrics on, on face value, but really understand what is the definition, how are Facebook or how is Google defining bounce rate, um, for example. Like how do we understand um, what these metrics mean and what they tell us because it could change the way that we interpret them and therefore what we do with that information. Yes. yes, yeah. So the second thing that I see happen all the time is that people are often spending too much in that retargeting. So okay. wow. I think that, um, and, you know, I'm like often brought in as the marketing police sometimes to kind of understand, you know, like which agencies are performing really well or like, you know, what activity is working for me and what isn't. I think that remarketing makes us feel those feel good feelings because it can look like, you know, cost per acquisition for a lead, for example, like it costs us less because these people have seen us before. But um, my question, when we think a bit bigger and we don't think about the channel performance, and this is kind of what we were talking about before, when we go a bit bigger and we think, okay, but what else could we be doing in that process? And if email, for example, is a really cost-effective strategy for nurturing, Mm. then could we just make sure that we're retargeting people who didn't open that last email? And then that means that we're spending way less to achieve the same outcome. So that's usually like a huge win. Um, I'll do that like within a couple of weeks, that client's making more money and we reallocate the spend that we were spending in remarketing into reaching new eyeballs and those people are converting. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And for those people, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast before, you've probably heard the term remarketing, particularly when we're talking about Facebook ads. But essentially what it is is when you're tracking Um, people who visit your website or watch your video on Facebook or perform a certain action, we can actually collect the data of that or we can't, but Facebook can or Google can. We can collect that data and then actually send out ads to them knowing that they've already watched your video or visited your website or performed a certain action on your website page so that you know that they're kind of closer to the sale. They've already engaged with your business. So generally, it's a pretty powerful way to, to, to market because you're, you're speaking to people who are already aware about your brand. However, what you're saying, Kate, and this has happened and it annoys me too, is, for example, when I've gone to a website and purchased a product and then they reserve me an ad showing me that product, I'm like, Dude, I just bought it. <laughs> I'm I'm furiously nodding. <laughs> I see this all the time. And this is a perfect example even um, of when I was talking about the attribution window. Facebook, will, like in that instance, Facebook's double counting your revenue and it looks like it's working. It, it looks like Facebook could be working well for you. And terrifyingly, um, I recently ran a report for someone and found that they weren't even breaking even their Facebook. But Facebook looked like it was driving 
a significant amount of revenue, but it wasn't. So was this in the ad platform itself? This is attribution in the ad platform itself. So this is not when you go into the dashboard on the organic news feed and you see um, post views and, um, you know, video views and that sort of stuff for the last 28 days. This is actually when you're reviewing your ad stats. So you're selling something online, you're advertising that via Facebook, people click through to your website and purchase the product but you're saying those stats around how much of how much Facebook is responsible for the sale of those products is not necessarily the whole truth. <laughs> Definitely. And it's ex- exactly as you say, you could have come from Google and purchased um, that dress that you have been eyeing off for a while and gone to Facebook later in the day. And if that company serves you a, a, an ad with that dress on it, you can bet that Facebook's taking credit for that purchase too, even though. Interesting. Mm. Wow. It's just the fact that you've been on Facebook and you've and seen the ad and actually coincidentally per- purchased the, the dress that you'd seen the ad for and Facebook's taking the credit. That's cheeky. Mm. But they're changing that, are you, did you say? They're changing it down to seven days, which, um, which we're might very eliminate happy about. the coincidence, yeah, yeah, the coincidental activity, yeah. But either way, you can actually break it down. So, in the Facebook ad reporting platform, it's two clicks, um, and I have a post on Instagram walking through exactly how to do it. Um, right. But there's like two clicks, and you can actually see, okay, how many purchased 28 days post view, seven days post view, one day post view, 28 days post click seven days post-click, one day post-click. Right. Um, and that, that's really helpful because then you can determine as well how many people saw it out on Facebook and bought that same day. And then that shows you that ad's super effective. Super, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's excellent, yeah. Because I know as a consumer, you know, I might see something on Facebook as a Facebook ad, but if it's like a couple hundred dollars or whatever, I might go to the website, leave the tab open, <laughs> go back a few times to work out if I really, really want it, and then, you know, in three days' time I might purchase it at the time. So people can take a bit of time to, to be convinced. So that, and, that's really good. And that's why that path length and time lag can come in handy because with all of this information and that context for you to understand that that's how your consumer interacts with you, imagine yes. what that would do for your ability to make decisions about how to, how to capture them and how to nurture them. That's right. And how to convince them that that $200 is a you know, damn good <laughs> spend. Damn good spend. Um, okay, so th- your three top tips or even considerations for effective marketing attribution. Tip number one, make sure that the tracking is set up properly. So get your Google Analytics installed. And even if it is a small investment to um, have your developer look at it properly for you or find a tagging expert, there's a lot of them on, you know, Upwork and Fiverr, people who are phenomenal at this and can whip it up in an hour or so. Um, And, yeah, just being able to make sure that we've got the tracking right and it's something reliable that we can refer to is the most important thing. (laughs) Uh, The second thing is starting that change log. It's just such a simple, small step that we can all take. Our memories are not that good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we can can go, oh, yes, that spike or something that, you know, seems I seem to see a lot of sales come through at the moment. What what did I change? (laughs) Um, What what could be responsible for that? Um, And, of course, it could still be a number of things. But even if you made three decisions on one day, it's one of those three things probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the third one is, yeah, checking that path length and time lag, I feel like is of all the metrics that you can look at, it gives you immediate context to understand how people are engaging with you and therefore how much time should you spend on those attention driving initiatives and how much in nurturing. Now, if someone on that last one, if someone's not actually selling something on their site, is, mm. that, is that path length and time lag still relevant? Like, is there something that we can still track there? Great question. So if you're, if it's a lead based type, same, I mean, still the same thing um, because you'd still want to know how long it takes for that person to, to, you know, take some kind of meaningful action. Um, But if it is like just a brochure based site, so there's no action for that person to take other than maybe, you know, an offline phone call. Yeah. 
then the next best way for me to kind of bring some level of context to try to understand that is actually just mapping my customer journey. So even if it's quite intuitive initially and based off of your experience, you know your customers, you know your business to get an understanding of, you know, how long does it really take people to come through this this sort of funnel from when they first heard about me? And it can often be a question. I love that we often get so distracted by, you know, digital data but I always ask, how did you hear about us? Yeah, always. Me too. Me too. Always. Yeah. And I hate it when um, there's, you know, lots of, you know, digital experts that say, oh, that's not reliable. I mean, even if, it, even if that customer hasn't really remembered, they've still told you what was most meaningful to them. So yeah. it's still yeah. like, even if they actually probably saw you on TV first, yeah. um, if they've said Facebook, it's because that's where they hang out. <laughs> That's where they hang out. That's where they paid attention to you. It could just be the last time that they saw you when they were in the mindset where they decided to buy. But as you said, it is it is absolutely integral data. And a lot of the time when I ask that question, because a lot of my marketing is kind of brand, I need to need to get better at the conversion, um, the level of, of my marketing. But a lot of the time when I do ask that question, you know, they'll say, oh, I've just seen your stuff. I've seen it for years. But they'll say, but I've seen it on Facebook. I just, I see your posts on Instagram all the time or I see your stuff on LinkedIn all the time. So it's like, well, good. You know, at least I know that that is working, you know. And then in my head I'm going, okay, is this the right kind of customer? You know, is this the right client for me? Is it the right, you know, kind of work that I want to work with? Great. And they've seen my stuff on Facebook and now they're here and we're about to do business. Definitely. And then, you know, that's you running attribution in your own mind based on all of the data that you're capturing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like that's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good to know. And I know for a lot of small businesses, this is where they really, particularly if they're not selling online or even if they're not capturing their leads online in terms of, you know, people filling out a con- um, consultation request or contact form or anything like that, Um, generally we lose them at the point where they leave the website. No longer can we track them. It's at that point that the small business owner, if you haven't got any of that kind of ability to purchase on your website, then there should be something manually that you're doing. As you said, even if it's just an Excel spreadsheet that just says, you know, where did they come from? You know, when, what was the lead? What day was it received? Where did they come from? Bang. It can just be a written piece of paper. It's really important information. Yeah. And one of my favorite things to do as well is to follow up with um, a little bit of a a quick survey as well. So if you're like engaging with your customer one-on-one or you pick up the phone, there's a lot of my clients have, you know, phone appointments that they hold. Um, Being able to then go follow up with an email um, that then asks them a few questions uh, right when they're kind of warm with you and they've just come off the the back of a conversation that could provide you with data that, yeah, you um, wouldn't otherwise have. Great idea. Great idea. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, I've just had such a fantastic time chatting to you, Kate. This has been so much fun. Now, if our listeners have had just as much fun um, and they'd like to connect with you or find out a little bit more about what you do, firstly, what, how, how do you help um, businesses with, with this? Do you actually do some of the Facebook advertising and that sort of stuff as well or is it just the measurement side you help businesses with? Now it's just the measurement side. So I used to do all of that um, and that's probably why I became so obsessed with unpicking this impossible puzzle. Um, But, yes, now I either run reports for a small number of clients or I, um, you know, set up reporting frameworks and then I have um, data literacy and leadership kind of mentoring sessions that I run with people to kind of go, if you've got your own data and you just need to have a powwow with someone who can, like, help you understand what that means and what decisions to make, then there's that offering too. Fantastic. So if there are any businesses out there that would like to um, get in touch with you about that, where can they find you? How can they connect with you? Yeah, so my website is sptagency.co or you can find me on Instagram at sptagency underscore agency and I'm always sharing my sort of tips on you know look at this metric and did you know that Facebook's trying to trick you and all of those <laughs> <laughs> little like tidbits of information um, as well as I have a five minute Friday newsletter which is um, completely free and I'll share you know one key metric to look at and exactly how to do it and what it means um, every Friday. 
Oh my gosh, I'm signing up to that now. So do you just sign up for that newsletter on your website? Yep, yep. Yep, okay, excellent. Thank you so much for that, Kate. I really, really appreciate all your generosity in this chat. I've had a ball. You are obviously such a topic expert in this space and so I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. It has been such a joy um, to spread my geekery. And um, yeah, I I hope to have converted one more geek today. (laughs) Well, you've definitely definitely made me even more passionate about it. So you could pretty much, you know, tick that off as a conversion. That's awesome. Perfect. Thanks, Kate. (laughs) Thank you. Well, there wraps up some more fantastic tips from another awesome marketer. Love it. Hey, if you're really enjoying these episodes and feel like they are helping you become a better marketer, head into your podcast app and hit the subscribe button. That way you will not miss an episode and the marketing goodness will just keep flowing in week on week. You can also subscribe to our weekly small business marketing tips at dragonflymarketing.com.au. And hey, if you're on Facebook and love yourself a group and a community, Head on into Facebook, search for the How To Do Marketing group and uh, request access to join. We'd love to see you there. So until next time, happy marketing. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 